My name is DJ Volto. My name is MC Zani. Welcome to a highly inauthentic edition of the show entitled... Masquerade. Or should it be Masquerade? I was thinking maybe Masquerade, yes. Masquerade. One of those. <laughs> we present for you this week, dear listener, a show of artists who are hiding behind a veil, in one way or another. They may seem to be one thing, but are they another? Mm, who knows? We're always banging on about Germans pretending to be uh, resilient, <laughs> usually, just for the temperature and the groovy beats. Regular listeners to the show will be surprised to hear that there are no Germans in this week's show. What? Or are there? Why not? Well, there could be. There might be some masquerading, which we're not aware there of. There might be double pretending. <laughs> yeah. No Germans? I, I demand uh, <laughs> a some German. sort of inquiry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bring a German in. Even a small one, just a little one. <laughs> oh. What do we have, then? Well... Coming up on this week's show, we have Frenchmen pretending to be Japanese people. Mm-hmm. We have uh, British session musicians pretending to be from an African tribe. Ooh. We have an Irishman doing the Spaghetti Western soundtrack. We have a bit of fake French disco music as well. Oh, it's, we've got all sorts of stuff in this week's show. Just a bunch of musical liars. <laughs> in between all of that misleading music, we do have MC Zanny and his unnecessary news. The gentleman was not in the least bored who might have been and was seen on that wintry afternoon in 1900 lounging with one shoulder to a wall of the dingy sales room and idly thumbing a catalogue of effects about to be put up at auction, but his insouciance was so unaffected that the inevitable innocent bystander might have been pardoned for perceiving in him a pitiable victim of the uttermost ennui. <laughs> We're getting out of the way with a track which may not be entirely fake, because I suspect that the mastermind behind it may be of Italian extraction. Yes. It's from a show that's all about complete and utter fakery, though, so I think, we, I think we're entitled to play it. This is the great Dario Russo, musical mastermind of Danger 5. Not just musical mastermind, it's the whole thing is product of his twisted imagination. Yeah. Historian. Important historian, <laughs> is I think what you mean. <laughs> Composer sorry, yes, slash historian right, yeah. slash genius. Yes. Slash occasional beard wearer. That's right. The great Dario Russo. Mm. This is from season one of Danger 5. It's a track simply called Italians. We'll be right back. 
Yama Yama from the Yamazuki Singers, and before that, Italians, as we mentioned, from Dario Russo, important historian. Now, Yama Yama, this is the sort of seed track of this whole show, mm. which um, I think is pretty splendid stuff. <laughs> it is, isn't it? I mean, you've got everything in there. People doing Japanese, disco beats, shouting. Quite a lot of shouting. Quite yeah. a bit of shouting, quite a bit of crazy <laughs> drumming. It's from an album called Le Monde Fabulous de Yamazuki from a French <laughs> gentleman. Some might call him a mastermind. Daniel Vanguard and mm. Jean Kluger from Belgium, which we shouldn't hold against him. <laughs> no. It's amazing. What a great album. Mm. I think they even learnt Japanese. Yes. If you read various notes, you find mm. that they got an authentic judo master to shout at their singers. <laughs> That's what more bands need, yeah. in-house judo master. missing ingredient. Mm. I know a lot of people now just think, oh, all you need to make music is a beard and a mandolin. <laughs> but get a judo master in there. This is exactly the sort of thing that we should be broadcasting from the moon. Exactly. So this was a super rare album. It's originally from 1971, but Finders Keepers re-released it. About 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I remember this coming out. I can't justify my decision at the time, but I just ignored it. (laughs) The other great thing about this is it's got its own sequence of dance moves. Mm -hmm. Very important. (laughs) Join along. But the whole album is absolutely fantastic. I'm in favour of it. It may well be, um, I don't know, is it racist? (laughs) Well, it's no more racist than, you know, all the exotica that we play on the show, I think. Oh, my God, we're racist. <laughs> let's, let's be honest. I don't know. It's just musical fun, isn't it? It is musical it's fun. fantastic. It sounds like perhaps more than a lot of exotica musicians, these two actually did immerse themselves in Japanese culture, so they knew what they were doing, I think. You are listening to Project Moonbase, a weekly show you can download from projectmoonbase.com. You can also communicate with us via Twitter, twitter.com slash projectmoonbase, and also facebook.com slash projectmoonbase. Also, tell people. Oh, yes. <laughs> you can just tell people, too. The original form of social media. I said it before and I said it again. Lock eyes. <laughs> just whisper. <laughs> it works. Finish up by wiggling your eyebrows up and down rapidly. You can add a wink in as well. Maybe tapping the side of your nose. Mm-hmm. You know what to do, listeners. Now, we're going to head off to Fake Africa for this next tune, a band that we regularly pay visits to. This is Mandingo. Mandingo, as some listeners may know, is a project by the great band leader Jeff Love. And he's not the first bit of musical mischief he's engaged in. He released a whole load of albums under Manuel and Music of the Mountains as well. (laughs) But that's a bit too easy cheesy for us. But this Mandingo work is absolutely amazing. We've played lots of it before, but I don't think we've actually played this next tune. So this essentially is a bunch of uh, London session musicians trying to sound like African tribes people and ending up sounding like library musicians. Mm, That's good. (laughs) But it's quite fierce. This is Mandingo with the title track from Sacrifice.
Basil Enrique. <laughs> that was the good, the bad and the ugly. Before that, sacrifice. A savage sound of people from London. Mandingo there. Basil Enrique. This is from the album Hawaiian Honeymoon. Basil Enrique, probably not his original name. No. Didn't he start out as Basil Hendricks from the Virginians? Yeah. He's either Mexican or Virginian <laughs> or... Or in fact Irish. He's Irish. <laughs> Enrique is not your typical Irish name, is it? Not really, no. The fakery and forgery continued because he recorded a lot of that still guitar work as the band of the Waikiki Islanders. So, <laughs> Do you think he ever left Ireland, though? Possibly not. He's just sitting there in Cork. Yeah, I wonder what it's like abroad. I bet it's nice. Basil. He's good, though, isn't he? Oh, yes. Yes, he released quite a lot of similarly styled albums of some extraordinary steel guitar work. What I quite like about that track is there's layers of fakery too, because, of course, the whole spaghetti western thing is a... Mm, Italian. Is it? <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, so that's quite a lot of layers to that track. <laughs> he bucks it up a bit as well, doesn't he? He does. Because yeah. it's a little bit tense. Yeah. I seem to remember. It is. He's kind of, yeah, he's relaxed it a bit. Yeah, he's hammocked it up a bit. <laughs> Basil, you liar. <laughs> we'll be returning with some fake French space disco... But before that, it's time for us to go to the Ballo in Mascara of Unnecessary News. Finns warned of too big snow shovel risk. Finns have been warned not to use excessively large shovels when clearing snow because they could be putting their health at risk. A recent survey found that the strain of pushing large shovels full of snow causes a spike in blood pressure, which, combined with the cold air, that's what they have in Finland, they do. can lead to cardiac arrest. What? That's not good, is it? The National Broadcaster reported this very story. It cites cardiology professor Heike Pukuri saying exertion during snow clearing is the most common cause of heart attacks in Finland. Really? <laughs> Apparently. Well, okay. According to the product development director at tool manufacturer Fiskars, it's particularly an issue for Finnish men who tend to favour plus-size shovels. I think this is comical. I mean, not Finns keeling over from heart attacks, but just the fact that it's caused by men going, here's a normal-sized shovel, here's a sort of medium-sized shovel. No, no, I want an enormous shovel. Do you think they have neighbourly battles on who can get the biggest shovel? I and mean, they'll be standing there with their enormous shovels, looking over at people with small shovels, going, look at his tiny shovel. <laughs> Finnish men say that the snow shovel needs to be larger so they can get the snow work done faster. I think we can work that out ourselves, can't we? <laughs> But bigger isn't necessarily better, says Petiri Massalin, whoever that is. The company has partnered with medical professionals to create instructional videos showing people how to use their snow-clearing implements safely, but it may not be easy to change habits. Do we know how large a too-large shovel is? Well, it doesn't specify a particular set of measurements, which is the missing <laughs> vital piece of information, isn't it? The broadcaster describes the choice of oversized shovels as a matter of honour and ego for many middle-aged men. But the doctor suggests that male pride should be put to one side, saying, I always say, leave the snow work to the wife. <laughs> uh, what? That is one solution. Let the wife have a life-threatening spike in blood pressure as well. <laughs> Let the wife do it. This guy's a doctor? I think that's telling us quite a lot about that guy's marriage and his attitude to women. <laughs> but perhaps women are immune to cardiac arrest. I don't know. Possibly, yeah. yeah. How about a 107-year-old secret to long life? Do you want to know that? I would, since I'm getting close to that age myself. <laughs> Any day now. Antonio do Campo Garcia, who died last week at the grand old age of 107, attributed his longevity to drinking four bottles of red wine a day and no water. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, the gentleman liked to have two bottles of red wine with lunch and another two with dinner, his family told reporters. He could drink a litre and a half at once, said his son. When we were both at home, we could get through 200 litres of wine a month. 
He never drank water. <laughs> Mr. De Campo of Vigo in northwest Spain owned his own vineyard. Well, that's good. <laughs> that's handy. That's useful, isn't it? Yeah. I think you'd need to. You would need to. A cynic might suggest that tales of the wine's life-giving properties could contain a teensy trace of marketing spiel. Mr. De Campo's nephew who now runs the vineyard, told the newspaper he sold the majority of the wine he produced, but still kept a decent amount back for himself. He produced 60,000 litres a year, and he would keep 3,000 for himself. He always said that was his secret to living so long. Do you fancy a touch of centarian wisdom from some other long-lived individuals? Oh, please do, yeah. Secrets to long life. This is shared by people who have lived to the age of 100 and beyond. Mm. Kamato Hogo from Japan. She lived to be 116. She was famous for sleeping two days and then staying awake for two days. Wow. I'm not sure I could sleep for two days. That's quite a challenge. Yeah, I bet I could. I mean, I quite like sleeping, but... Not that much. <laughs> not, but it's, not it's that sleeping much. for two days and then being awake for two days. Yeah. Where's the benefit? Yeah, yeah I don't know. She lived a long time, anyway. <laughs> Henry Allingham lived to be 113. When asked how he'd managed to live for so long, he simply replied, cigarettes, whiskey... And wild, wild women. <laughs> now, is that a song? I think it is, actually. Mm. Plagiarism. Misao Okawa, 117. She ate lots of sushi and slept for eight hours a night. These are fairly low-key, that one. There's nothing very special about that one, really. Suzanne <laughs> Mushat-Jones, on her 116th birthday, she said she swore by a breakfast of bacon and eggs. Or maybe she was just hungry. I mean, if you've been alive for 116 years, you're going to need a, something to eat, aren't you? Ethel Lang, 114, British supercentenarian, said she never smoked, rarely drank, but loved to dance. Alice Herz Sumner, Holocaust survivor, who lived to be 110, said it's all about being positive. Do you think these people just accidentally got to be 100? You assume that somebody <laughs> ticked over like 10 years after being 100 years old, and you're like, have you got any amazing tips? Mm. Oh, just uh, think positive. What? That's it? Yeah. I'd love to make it to 100, if nothing else, so that I could give some completely spurious, made-up tips for long long life. I had a little sip of methylated spirits every morning. <laughs> well, every day I like to beat the dog, and then I just scream obscenities at the top of my voice, and then I do some ironing. Yeah, you could have a lot of fun with that. Jigsaws. Non-stop jigsaws. That's right, yeah. Agnes Fenton said on her 110th birthday that she owned her longevity to keeping in touch with God, along with a daily dose of three beers and a shot of whiskey. Well, I can get along with some of that. <laughs> when she was 109, Aberdeen's Jessie Gallon said eating porridge, oh. avoiding men, oh. she never married, and knitting were the secrets to living a long <laughs> life. So this is one of my favourites. Muriel Frunberg, 107, says she lived so long because she quit smoking. Aged 102. Well, that only accounts for five years, isn't it? Wise words, wise words. Wise words. So to summarise, in order to live a long time, you must drink four bottles of red wine a day and some beers and whiskey and be a total abstainer and eat porridge, a full English breakfast, take up knitting and learn to dance. I'll start tomorrow. We all know the real secret to living a long life is be a woman. Because <laughs> there was only one man on that. That's true. And finally, Chinese restaurants shut down after seasoning food with opium. <laughs> thought that some chefs lace their food with opium to try and hook customers. Mm, you don't well, say. That, that'll do it. <laughs> 35 restaurants across China have been found illegally using opium as a seasoning in their food, state officials say. Five restaurants have been prosecuted over the findings, whilst 30 more are under investigation, according to the China Food and Drug Administration. The eateries include a popular chain of hot pot restaurants in Beijing. It's unclear how the opium came to enter the food. However, previous cases in China have seen chefs trying to hook customers on their food through the use of the narcotic, which can cause serious addiction. You may have heard that before. In 2014, a failed drugs test led Shanxi Province Police to uncover a noodle seller deliberately lacing meals with opium. In 2004, a string of 215 restaurants in the Guizong region were closed down following similar charges. According to the official news agency, poppy powder is available to buy in China for about $60. Mm. That's about £40 a kilogram. Yeah. Pretty reasonable. It's pretty commonly dark. mixed with chili oil and powders, which make it difficult for authorities to detect. And delicious. Mm. I'm no expert, but I understand opium is quite Moorish. <laughs> I'm sure in this country, before we had pepper, then we probably would have been liberally dosing uh, 
opium powder over our meals, wouldn't we? If we if we could, yeah. Well, before we start finger pointing at the Chinese, remember Coca Cola <laughs> used to be laced with cocaine, didn't it? Back in the good old days. If you're feeling a little bit below par, then a little bit of laudanum yeah. dropped into your drink, you know, that would ease the world, wouldn't it? Oh, exactly. What's wrong with that? I think the issue is they didn't say. Chinese food laced with opium. Mm. If they actually had that, yeah. I mean, that's a selling point, isn't it? It is. You know, menus have like little symbols for vegan and gluten-free. They just have one for <laughs> with added opium. Yeah, just a big O. <laughs> opium? Just got a touch of opium? May contain opium. May contain traces of opium. I think that's a selling point. But maybe that's just me. <laughs> that's another reason to like Chinese food. They're looking at it all wrong. You have been used. <laughs> Bizo, doo-doo, zobbippity, bop, bop, bop. Thank you, Mr. Zirconium. Thank you, sir. For that extremely soothing selection of news stories, there'll be more on next week's show.
Well, that was <laughs> a bit of a shift of gear. Mm. That was uh, the work of mysterious French space disco musician Georges Vert from a compilation that was, in inverted commas, compiled and produced by, close inverted commas, John Brooks of the Advisory Circle. That was a track called Leo Minor from the compilation An Electric Mind. There were a few hundred copies pressed on vinyl, but I suspect you might have trouble getting hold of one of those. Thank goodness for us. <laughs> yes. But I think you could still get the download version of it. They tend not to run out. <laughs> that was a wonderful piece of French electronica. And you can get that by going to projectmoonbase.com slash masquerade. And if you enjoy the show, you can go to projectmoonbase.com slash masquerade, or you can, you can also find the show on Stitcher, we're also on Mixcloud and, of course, the mighty iTunes. Speaking of which, write a review, listeners, if you haven't already, mm. and we'll read it out. We certainly will. Certainly. Well, there must be a few listeners out there who haven't written a review yet, so uh, please get to it. And, of course, tell the dog. <laughs> I think we should start Dr. Doolittling animals. Mm. Just talk to the animals and just say Project Moonbase. Mm -hmm. Just if you see a two, if you see a French bulldog mm -hmm. or um, a poodle oh. or a labradoodle or a toucan, we don't have to be talking about just dogs here, or a cat or any pet, you know. Or if you see a mouse running along the skirting board, mm -hmm. just kneel down and whisper Project Moonbase. Some of these animals might oh. understand English, they might do. and maybe they might um, tell other animals. We can get some listeners. We're not prejudiced against no. uh, any beasts. We're not speciesist. Exactly. If you are wandering in a field at night, perhaps you're an American, mm. and you're in Texas or something, and a, a UFO floats down, and they say, I don't know, what would they say? You'd probably say, take me to your leader, but you could also say, take me to your leader and listen to Project Moonbase. <laughs> Just a thought. <laughs> Weave it in there. <laughs> maybe, maybe that will convince them not to probe you. Who knows? <laughs> They may try probing you for a copy of the podcast, but... Uh, mm, they might say, oh, tell me more. They might just probe <laughs> you like that, which is, you know, better. Yeah, well, yeah, different kind of probing. Now we have a track which may or may not be an entire piece of forgery. Some debate about this. This is a gentleman called Chim Kathari, who uh, released an album called Sound of Sitar, which has all sorts of great uh, covers of uh, Western pop hits. I have my suspicions that Chim might be Jim, but uh, I have been trying to get to the bottom of this, and it's proven quite a difficult mystery to solve. But anyway, if that isn't the case, if he is actually genuine, we can at least claim that he is pretending here to be from Cuba, because this is his version of Guantanamera. Thank you. 
the exotic sound of Hackney, courtesy of Reg Owen. <laughs> yes, you might have thought that's definitely from somebody who spent his time in a jungle. Yes. But I don't think Hackney is a jungle. I'm not, a, well, a, a concrete jungle, perhaps, but... Uh... Oh, the urban jungle. Oh, Reg. Reg. Before that, I should say Guantanamera, of course, from Chim Cathari, from the sound of sitar. That was wonderful. But getting back to Reg... He has quite a, an exotic history, does, uh, with Mr. Owen. In the Second World War, he was actually part of the RAF's Bomber Command Band. I'd like to hear some of their albums. Mm. <laughs> you would think that that wouldn't be the sort of thing you were doing if you were a bomber. You'd want to be a bit more stealthy, wouldn't you? Yes. You know, you're, you're, you're kind of creeping up on somebody, trying to <laughs> explode them into smithereens. You're just like, boom, 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 boom. <laughs> Yeah, do, do you mind keeping that down, Reg? We're trying to be sneaky here. <laughs> he also wrote the soundtrack to a few movies in the uh, late 50s and 60s as well, but that particular track comes from this great new compilation which we have dipped into in the last few shows uh, on Johnny Trunk's Trunk Records. That's a compilation called Brit Zotica, which, as we've mentioned before, features two lovely uh, Easter Island heads wearing bowler hats. Mm, dapper. Now, I wonder if that comes under primitive pop or savage jazz. Mm, well, yeah, that's a good point. They are both on there, of course. It's worth Googling Reg Owen to see what he looks like, because <laughs> it is. he does look like a savage individual. <laughs> like the world's most savage accountant. Yeah, going to come at you with his ledger. <laughs> <laughs> and, his, and his ink pen. Well, actually... Mm. We will be back shortly with some very creepy organ music from the... Uh, Indian subcontinent, or possibly not. But first of all, it's time for... Thing of the Week! Now, if you happen to be going to a Venetian ball in the near, near future, dear listener... I do! <laughs> you may be uh, trying to find yourself something to wear for that particular occasion. And we have the perfect thing here. We have, for you, the... Bear with us, this is quite a title for this uh, particular item. It's a Black With Music Notes Long Nose Men's Venetian Masquerade Mask. Mm-hmm. And who's it by? It's produced by the Rubber Plantation trademark. Mmm, trademark. <laughs> yeah, and it's um, a hideous kind of half face mask with a long mm. nose. But I, I don't see why you should just have to go to a, a masked ball with this. I think this yeah. would be ideal in, let's say, the supermarket. Yes. You could peruse through the frozen food section, mm. deciding on perhaps a pizza or some Neapolitan ice cream. That's right. Or some Arctic roll mm. while wearing this. 
I wonder if if you could go into a, a well-known supermarket wearing this and get away with it without being manhandled to the floor. Well, you can get away with going to supermarkets in pyjamas these days, so uh, I don't see why not. <clears throat> Maybe you should wear pyjamas and one of these masks. Mm-hmm. But as long as you've got a giant floppy black hat as well. <laughs> Or some kind of wizard hat. That's right, yeah. Yeah, I think this is ideal for that. Listen, you could help bring the um, Venetian-style mask into everyday use. Just standing in line at the post office, thumbing a lift. I think that would work quite well on uh, public transport as well. Oh, definitely. Well, any kind of crazy behaviour works well on public transport. (laughs) And I think they give you a discount. I assume that's what accounts for... The, the behaviour. Yeah. So, yeah, let's see if we can get this incorporated into everyday life. Mm-hmm. And at fourteen ninety nine, it's a bargain. It is. And you'll be glad to hear that one of its benefits is that it's great for masked balls. <laughs> <laughs> I like also that one size fits most. <laughs> it's a kind of non-committal feature. It may or may not do this feature. <laughs> this this mask may or may not fit you, yeah. but there we go. It's got it's got ribbons attached as well. In case you're thinking, but how do I get this mask to fit? Exactly. There's something really horrific about these sort of Venetian masks. Yeah, especially the ones with long noses. They're quite frightening, aren't they? Yeah, really makes me wonder what they were up to in Venice. <laughs> and that about wraps it up for thing of the week. Restless as the sea am I since you have gone, tossing dangerously free on an ocean of churning, burning, turbulent emotion. No strength, no faint desire have I to fight against the ebb and flow of love's persistent tide. And so, say I, let the tempest ride, for the storm without may cancel out the fury from within and let the two subside. Very creepy and not to say slightly disturbing sound there of, of course, Call a Pandit. I'm sure many listeners will be familiar with his work. And uh, again, this wasn't the first bit of masquerading that this particular gentleman engaged in. This was a gentleman who was born, John Rowland Red. That's a pretty cool name. That's a pretty good name. But he started out his musical career as Juan Rolando. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, there's actually, I think you can get a few of his albums as Juan Rolando on uh, Spotify and other such places. But yeah, in the mid-40s, he shifted into this completely new identity, Call a Pandit, and uh, was very famous for wearing this lovely bejeweled turban, which you'll see on most of his album covers. Yeah. And um, 
If you've seen uh, Ed Wood, the great uh, Tim Burton film, uh, you'll see him in action in there as well. It's a great, uh, great little yeah. performance from him there. He even plays the organ. He does, yeah, yeah. Most of his tracks, as you might imagine, are instrumental, but I quite like that track, not just because of its weird uh, stormy weather effects. That was, of course, called stormy weather, but there's a rather lovely bit of spoken word work. I'm not sure whether that is caller speaking, but it's, it's certain, whoever it is has got a rather lovely, funny mm, voice. Definitely, yes. convincing. And you can get that on uh, his album. Well, it's actually on a twofer, <laughs> although I know at this day and age we don't really... Meaningless. Make <laughs> doesn't really mean anything. But uh, that was from, I think it was originally on the album The Universal Language of Music. We'll have links to that on projectmovers.com slash masquerade. Now for something from Attack Shindo. This gentleman has his feet in both mm. reality and unreality, I suppose, or at least um, Japan and America. Yeah. And um, he's an interesting guy because he was quite important in the world of Exotica. He was. Although perhaps he's most famous for composing the theme music for the Ed Sullivan show. Although I, I say that <laughs> because that was a very important show that I'm sure absolutely nobody listening to this show has ever seen, <laughs> including myself, yes. but I have heard of it. Mm. But anyway, he's a Japanese-American, and um, this is a lovely, jazzy, sort of exotic version of the track I'm Beginning to See the Light. We do like it on the show when East meets West, and that was a perfect example there of a beautiful bit of work from Japanese-American Takshindo doing I'm Beginning to See the Light. He released a few albums where he took a similar take on uh, Western music, but he also added yet another layer to his uh, masquerading by doing an album called Umgana, Primitive Sounds. So he did his own Exotica album as well, which seems a bit strange, but there we are. We like a layer. We do. We We love layers. We love layers. Now, listeners, if you are still reeling from last week's incredible um, imaginary 80s episode, it had a little bit of an impact, I think. It did, yeah, it went down well. That was Retrowave. If you go to projectmoonbase.com forward slash Retrowave, you can enjoy a whole show of uh, people pretending it's still the 1980s. Mm. And this is a callback to that because sometimes we're lucky and we put out a show and somebody releases something absolutely perfect and we just insert it into the show Mm. and go, hooray! In fact, that did happen with Occam's Laser on that very show. Mm. But then uh, we've also featured a track by Satellite Young and they went and um, had the audacity to release a track (laughs) midweek. So we couldn't incorporate it in that 
show, but we are going to incorporate it in this show yes. because it's um, people pretending that it's still the 80s. So yeah. I think that fits in this theme as well. Yeah, well, the other great thing about this is it involves a gentleman who we would love to have included in last week's show if we'd had the room for him. And this is, of course, uh, Swedish retrowave specialist Mitch Murder. He's been pre-approved yeah. by Project Moonbase. <laughs> yes. So imagine our surprise when we found that Mitch Murder and Satellite Young joined together mm. to make a sound baby. <laughs> it's a sweet thing as well. Mm. Yes, this is a brand new single from Mitch Murder working with Emmy from Satellite Young, and it's a track called Sniper Rouge. I have been DJ Volto, and I hope my true identity has not been revealed during this week's edition of the show. I have been MC Zanny. You will never know my true face. Until next week, dear listener. Baliamo. Baliamo.